You're listening to audio provided by Valleydale Church. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out valleydale.org. Good morning, congregation. Great to see all of you here. It's great to be together again, isn't it? I'm thankful my parents drove over from Mississippi this morning. Glad they're here. It's good to see them. I want to tell you about the wedding of the century. This wedding was in April of 2011. And I'm talking about the wedding of the royal wedding of William and Kate. You remember that? Some of you got up at five or six in the morning and you watched it, didn't you? You were interested. And uh, this was the event. You know, the wedding cost $34 million. Anyone relate to that? The Kate's dress was $434,000. The flowers were loaned were $1.1 million. And the security detail, because of all the important people there, was $32 million. Uh, This day in central London was a day filled with celebrity sightings and pageantry and horses and chariots. And around 1 million people were lining the street between Westminster Abbey and Buckingham Palace. This was the event to be at. But leading up to the wedding, there was really one question. Who is on the guest list? Everybody wanted to know, the media especially, who is on this guest list? There were 1,900 people who were invited. Now, you would expect family and friends, relatives, of course, they were invited. 40 heads of state were invited. The king of Bhutan, the king of Jordan, the emperor of Japan, the queen and king and queen of Morocco were invited. And, of course, there were religious leaders. There were politicians and diplomats. There were celebrities like David Beckham and Elton John. All of these people were invited to this wedding. And you had to be somebody special to get an invitation. I mean, not even President Obama and Mrs. Obama got an invitation to this thing. This was a big deal. Now, surely you would think an event where about one billion people were expected to watch It costs millions of dollars. Surely no one would decline an invitation to this wedding. But in fact, more than 20 people declined an invitation to go to the royal wedding of William and Kate. Now, it's been determined recently the royal wedding of William and Kate is the most influential royal wedding of all time. And over 20 people said, sorry, I can't make it. Now, some of them, like the Queen of Netherlands, uh, her, her excuse was, well, the next day was Queen's Day in Netherlands, so she didn't want to come. The king of Sweden, his birthday was the next day, so he didn't come. And you would think, surely you would want to go to this type of an event. And this morning, I want to talk to you about an invitation. Now, I'm sure all of us in life have declined some type of invitation. Maybe when you were a child, you declined to play a certain sport or you declined a certain school because you wanted to go to this one instead or you declined a date with a certain person or you, did, you turned down a job opportunity or you, did, you turned down a wedding or a baby shower. Or there, there, it's certainly all of us at some point have declined an invitation. But I want to talk to you about a, an invitation you and I cannot afford to decline. And the good news is, all of us, we're on the guest list. You don't have to worry about that. You, you made the guest list. I can assure you of that based on the word of God. But the, the bad news is, it's not certain that everyone here will be there. And the reason is that some have excuses to make. And that's what we're going to see here in Luke chapter 14. So I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 14. We're going to look in verses 12 through 24. 
Now, we're doing a little mini-series. We didn't intend to. The Holy Spirit did. We're doing a little mini-series in Luke 14. So I got a little nervous last week. I'm sitting down here, and pastor says, all right, I'm in Luke 14. And I'd already been well underway on this, but praise God, it, it all works out. So uh, last week was great, and I just trust the Lord will speak to us this morning. So Luke chapter 14, you remember what pastor taught us last week in the context that Jesus is at the home of a leading Pharisee. And he's surrounded by all these religious leaders. And he's teaching them. He taught them, taught them about a wedding feast and about taking the place of, of the lowest state rather than the place of honor. And then now Jesus is going to come. He's going to teach about this banquet in the future. This is not a make-believe banquet. This is a real legitimate banquet that is going to come on this earth in the new Jerusalem. And he, Jesus is going to tell this story about this banquet, but he's really referring to this messianic banquet is what we'll call it in the future. And so Jesus comes in verse 12 and he said to the man who had invited him, this, this Pharisee, he says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, a dinner would be like a midday meal, like a lunch. A banquet is an, is an afternoon or evening meal, like the main meal of the day. Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. He's teaching him about the proper guest list. So, if, Mr. Pharisee, this is who you should include on your guest list. And what Jesus is talking to him about is the exchange mindset. The Pharisee had an exchange mindset. In other words, I will invite you, and in exchange, I expect you to invite me to your party. That's an exchange mindset. All of us had an exchange mindset probably when we were growing up at the school lunch table, right? You had something in your lunch and you, your neighbor, you looked across the table, you thought that oatmeal cream pie looks really good. And so not out of the goodness of your heart did you offer your chocolate milk, but because you wanted that oatmeal cream pie. In exchange for that, you said, I'll give you this, but I really want that. That's the exchange mindset. The exchange mindset does not give because I'm giving out from a generous heart. It says I'm giving because I want something in return. So the Pharisees had this exchange mindset. What, what can I get in return? So I'll invite you, then you'll invite me, and we're, we're all even. I, I don't owe you anything. Instead, Jesus is going to teach them about a love mindset. A love mindset says, I give and I don't expect anything in return. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to invite you. And if you don't invite me back, that's okay. Because I'm not giving with any expectation of reciprocation. This is a love mindset. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus says, do not invite. That's a command. It's a present command. Don't keep continually inviting, he says, these different people. Your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors. Now, Jesus does not mean don't invite them. He just means don't only invite them. Don't make your list exclusive to where it's, it's all these social elites and it's only people that can give you something in return. So he says, stop continually only inviting these people whom you have common ground with, whom you have social status with, whom you are the same economically. Jesus said instead, verse 13, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Crippled refers just like you're lame all the way up. Your, your whole body is mutilated is what it means. When you invite these kinds of people, Jesus said, you will be blessed. And this blessed has a dual focus. The first part means you will enter a state of blessedness. 
When you and I have a love mindset and we give without any expectation of return, there is a state of blessedness that we enter. And what I mean is the greed and the covetousness that just so often captures our hearts now has to take a back seat. And it no longer has a grip on our hearts. And we're free. And we're free to give, to think, I, I don't have to worry about pleasing man. I don't have to worry about, uh, well, am I going to get invited in return? Are they going to give back to me? I, I'm not gripped by that. I'm gripped by the love of God. And that's a blessed state. But the second part is, there actually is a repayment. Look at the end of verse 14. You will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is talking about when we stand before him and 2 Corinthians 5 talks about the Bema judgment seat, not for salvation, but for evaluation of our life. We will be repaid at that moment for what we did as a follower of Christ. So all the things that you're, if you're giving and serving others who cannot give back to you, Jesus said, oh, there's repayment coming. It's just not on this earth. It will come at the, at the, the resurrection of the just. So here's the first point this morning. I just have two simple points for you this morning. The first, all people are invited to God's kingdom. All people are invited to God's kingdom. You're on the guest list. You don't have to worry about that. You're on the guest list. Jesus is using this dinner to teach all these people here and to teach us about the guest list for heaven. And it includes everyone. It includes the rich. It includes the, the wealthy, the, the brothers, the relatives. It includes the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. All are invited to the kingdom of God. But an invitation does not mean automatic access. It does not mean, oh, I got my invitation, I'm in. No, there has to be a response of faith on our part. We have to take that, that invitation and receive it. That is, receive Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And that's how we get into the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. It is through his wounds, through the shedding of his blood, that we are healed when we place our faith in Christ. That is the invitation, and that is how you and I are to respond with faith. So the question is, have you received that invitation? You've heard it, but have you received it? And that, that's, what Jesus, that's what Jesus, as he's talking to all these leaders, he wants to know, have you received this invitation? And so uh, some of you would say, yeah, I, I've done that, Barry. I, I did that 30 years ago. Well, are you living... With an exchange mindset or a love mindset? Are, are you living with the exchange mindset that I give and I get in return? Just kind of like when you give some Christmas presents to family, you give a, get a, give a gift card, you get one in return, right? It's just exchange. Or, or, or do you live with the love mindset that I'm going to give and I don't expect anything in return? Did anyone give a Christmas present to the person who picks up your trash? Did you give something to someone you would say, maybe, that maybe, maybe they could give something in return, but maybe they couldn't. Did, did you give any, to anyone like that? that? That's a love mindset that says, I don't expect you to give. I want to give because God has blessed me and I love him and I, I, just want to, I just want to serve him. Back in August, there's a lady named Cheryl Lackey. Cheryl works at Waffle House and she went to go uh, to work one day and she, they were shorthanded, so she had to work a double shift. And she didn't have anyone to watch her child, so now she's got her baby with her. So she's trying to work 16 hours and take care of her baby over here, and she's taking care of customers. 
And this man walks in and sits down. He's by himself. And um, she serves him, waits on him. And he's just observing her, just observing. Man, she's a really hard worker. And wow, she, she's taking care of her, her baby too. And, and so it gets, the, the bill comes and it's time for him to pay. It's $11.99 was his bill. He gives her a $1,000 tip. You imagine, you imagine her face when she saw that? And this is what he said. I have to respect a mother that would do whatever it takes to support their child in a society where people don't even want to work anymore. And then he gives her two tickets. He was a country music star. Gives, two, gives her two tickets to one of his concerts. Now, could she repay that? Probably not. That's a love mindset. I'm going to give, and I don't expect you to give anything in return. And so at this point in the dinner... One of these guys here must have been deeply moved. And so he said, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus takes that statement. And it's like he just said, you know what? I think I'll tell a story now. And Jesus tells a story beginning in verse 16. Now this story, Jesus is going to, there's going to be several characters here. There's the master of the house, which is God, the father. There's a servant, which is Jesus. And then there's many people who are invited. Those are the characters in this story. And now we're going to see several different invitations. The first, there's three different rounds of invitations in this story. But the first round had two parts to it. So when an invitation would go out, that was what we would consider an RSVP. We get that in the mail or you get in your email and it just says, hey, the wedding's on this date. Please respond with a favorable reply or decline by this date. Okay, that's what we would consider. That's the first invitation. That's an RSVP. Then there was a second invitation, second part to the first invitation that would say, hey, it's ready. Come on. The food's ready. It's been prepared. There had to be a period of time between the the invitations because the animals had to be harvested. The food had to be prepared. They had to know how many were coming. All of those kinds of things. So there's there's the two rounds of the first invitation. Then we're going to see a second round, and then we're going to see a third round, all in these next few verses. So look, look with me at verse 16. But he said to him, a, man's one, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. The word for banquet, what we said earlier, it refers to the main meal of, of the day. So this would be a late afternoon, evening banquet. Now what Jesus is talking about here is the kingdom of God. I want you to turn back with me to the book of Isaiah in verse 25. Look at Isaiah 25 in verse 6, 8, and 9. Jesus is talking about the messianic banquet that will happen in the New Jerusalem after Jesus comes back. It will happen, he says, verse 6, on this mountain, that is Mount Zion, there in Jerusalem, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. You go on down. Verse 8, he will swallow up death forever. Does that sound like heaven? Yes, that's, that's mentioned elsewhere in Revelation. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord, um, or at the end of 1 Corinthians as well, the death is the last enemy to be, to be defeated. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Verse 9, it will be said on that day, blessed or behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. That is what we have to look forward to as the people of God. There will be a day of salvation where the death is no more. Sadness is no more. We are in his presence worshiping him for all of eternity. 
That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is talking about that banquet. That banquet is coming. So he says, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. So that's the first invitation. Now those people responded. That first round of invitation, people responded and said, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming. And it was very advantageous for you to go to one of these banquets in the ancient Near East. It were social events. That's where you networked. That's where you got to know people. That's where you... you um, that's where you want it to be. And so they've responded. Now verse 17. So now the second part of the first invitation comes. Okay. The servant who in this story is Jesus. And and at that time for the banquet, he sent his servant, that is Jesus, to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now, do you know of anywhere else in in the gospels where Jesus said, come? Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What about John chapter 7? John chapter 7, Jesus said, Whoever, or if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. This is Jesus extending an invitation. And he's sitting in front of these religious leaders who don't see him as the Messiah. And he's saying, come, it's ready. The banquet's ready right now if you would just come. Anybody who wants to come. Come for everything is now ready. And you would think that all those that responded, yes, would say, hey, finally, I've been waiting. I can't wait to see my friends. Hey, I can't wait to eat that good food. Let's go. I've been, there's nothing else going on tonight. I'm ready. Is that how they responded? Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. They all alike began to make excuses. All alike means with one mind or with one consent. Now, they were, these were individual responses, but it's like they all had the same uh, basic mindset, which was something else is more important. Something else is more important than this banquet. Um, the term for excuses is in the middle voice, which means it draws attention to the subject. So the subject are these three individuals, and I believe these individuals are representative of the three excuses that were made between numerous amounts of people. So each excuse was giving willingly. So somewhere between that first invitation where they said, I'm RSVPing to this event, somewhere between there and this second round, somewhere in in the middle there, they decided I'm not going. I'm no longer going. I said I was going, but something else more important has come up and I'm just, I'm not going. And so we're going to find out what is it? What is it that, 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 that caused them not to go, to miss this banquet? So there's three excuses that are given here. And each excuse reveals a preoccupation. So these three individuals were preoccupied with three things. The first was preoccupied with property. Look at this. But they all alike began to make, make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you purchase something without seeing it? I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Would you purchase a house without seeing it? Probably not. At least you'd see it online, right? Or you'd love to do a walkthrough, let somebody come look at it, make sure everything's working. I've bought a field, but hey, I think I need to go see it now. Surely this man had seen this field before. This was the preoccupation with property. The term for must means it indicates a priority judgment, one source said. So in other words, he's saying, my land is more important than this banquet. 
And I just, I must. It's more important for me to go see this land than to come to your silly banquet. So I, I'm, not, I'm not coming. Now, the second excuse is a preoccupation with possessions. Look at, look at this one. Uh, so the first one says, please have me excused. Verse 19, and another said, uh, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them, which really means to go, I go to try them out. I want to try them out. I want to see how they work. Let me, let me ask you another question. Would you buy a car without driving it or without at least making sure it runs, without seeing pictures of it? Uh, surely you want to feel good about it before you make a big purchase like that. This is five yoke of oxen would have been, this was a wealthy individual. They, they would have been used for over 100 acres of land. This was a wealthy person who said, hey, I've bought these oxen and, um, you know, I, I, I just need to go, I need to go see how, make sure they're working okay. Make sure they're, they're okay. So here's, here's another question. Now we said this banquet is in the late afternoon or evening. In other words, it's going to be dark, okay, or close to it. Can you see your property or your oxen in the dark? Can you examine them in the dark? You see, you see how silly the excuses are? They just don't make sense. When you, when you think, or what else are you going to be doing at night? What else is more important than going to this banquet? You're going to be looking at your field in the dark? You, 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 it just doesn't make any sense. Now, the larger point is not how silly their excuses were. It's that they missed the banquet. Whatever their excuse was, it caused them to miss this banquet. So, but there's one more excuse. Now, notice also the second one said, please have me excused. There's, there, at least they're respectful about it, but not the third person. Not the third person. Look, look at the third in verse 20. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I'm, just, I'm not coming. I'm not saying please have me excused. Um, I'm just, I ain't, I'm, I ain't coming. That's how we might say it. I'm not coming. Now, this one is preoccupied with pleasure. So you've got preoccupation with property, possessions, and here is pleasure. Now you may say, no, wait a minute. What about Deuteronomy, Barry? De Word of God talks about you have a whole year to bring happiness to your wife. So yes, that's true. However, the, the Deuteronomy provision is talking about being in the military or, or having some type of public duty. So that, that provision does not apply here. He's not, he's not talking about, uh, he's talking about a social banquet. So the point is, this man certainly between that first invitation and this second one, surely he wouldn't have decided to get married in that short of a time. You plan for weddings, don't you? Most of the time. Some of you, you may have eloped and you were married 50 years and that's great. But a lot of you, you probably planned for your wedding. And you, you don't just, it's not just a, a quick decision. And so the point is, he's valuing pleasure more than this banquet. And there is something about the allure of pleasure that can become intoxicating to us. And it leads to an abruptness. He doesn't say, please have me excused. He just says, I'm not coming. There is an abruptness about his life. And it's the same way when people start poking on us and, and, and our pleasures have become an idol. There's an abruptness. I'm not coming. I'm not coming to that event. We saw it in Florida. It was Disney World and the beach. We competed against it all the time. You think, well, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I wonder where they are. The, oh, social media. Oh, they're Disney World today. Or they're at the beach today, which is it's fine. But when it, become, when it starts competing with the things of God, now it, now it becomes a problem. 
So I want to be real clear here what Jesus is saying, what he's not saying. Jesus is not saying any of these three things are wrong. He's not saying any of these three things are evil. God created marriage. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, Proverbs says. So these are all really good things. But when they become excuses where we can't make a commitment for Jesus, now it's a problem. That's, that, that's the issue that he's talking about. If marriage, possessions, property, whatever it is, if it now becomes, I can't serve Jesus, I can't surrender my life to Christ because of these things, now it's an issue. J.C. Ryle said this, it is not a vowed dislike to the gospel, which is so much to be feared. It is that procrastinating, excuse-making spirit, which is always ready with a reason why Christ cannot be served today. Uh, now, I can't, I, can't, I can't teach that life group, Barry. It's, it's deer season. I, I, got, I got my season tickets. I can't, I can't, I can't commit to student ministry because I'll be dragging in here on Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm, I've got to enjoy. Hey, go to the game, enjoy whatever it is. Just don't let it interfere with your walk with Christ. All these things are fine, but just commit to Jesus. That's why I love, I don't know if Mark's on one of the cameras this morning, but I love, you turn on Saturday, you see Mark Curl's refereeing you know, Texas or Arkansas, wherever he's at, it's kind of a where's, where in the world is Mark today? Then the next day, he's here. 90% of the time, he's here. Unless he's like way out in, you know, I don't know, wherever he, he just can't get a flight back or something. He's always here. And so enjoy those things, but just don't let them interrupt your walk with Jesus. So now, verse 21, so the servant came. Now, how do you think the master is going to respond? Man, he's been preparing Animals have been harvested, food's ready, smell it in the air, chairs have been set out. How, how, how do you think the master is going to respond? He was angry. Verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, these excuses. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and crippled and blind and lame. Bring in as a command, you know, bring them in. I don't want my house to be empty. I want every chair full. I want as many people to be here and enjoy this as possible. So the streets were wider streets, like in, not just in a neighborhood, but in, like in a main thoroughfare where you had people from all walks of life would have been there. Go out into the streets, bring people with you. Go out to the lanes. That's where the lower class and uh, people would be. Go out to those places and, and, and bring in those kind of people. If these other people aren't going to come, then maybe these others will come. But see, the servant knew the heart of the master, and he had already done that. Verse 22, he, he knew that's what the master would have wanted. And so verse 22, he said, sir, what you've commanded is, has been done. I, I've already done that. I, I know you're generous. I know you're, you're merciful. I know you want people here. Uh, and still there's room. We've still got room. Now the master could have just closed everything down at this point and said, you know what? Let's just cut our losses and let's have this banquet and you and I can enjoy it with whoever's here. But that's not what happens. He says, I, I want to send a third round of invitations. I want, I've got more people. So verse 23, and the master said to his servant, go out to the highways and hedges. Now Jews didn't have hedges around their property. So these are the pagan Gentiles. Go outside the city, way out of the country, where in this day where the most despised, the lower class, the least of the least would be. And he says, compel them to come in. Compel doesn't mean force, it means to urge. 
It's like a host who goes to someone over in the corner and says, hey, let me, let me take your hand and let's, come on, I'll walk with you. Let's, let's, go, in, let's go into the house. And, and, and you just walk with them and you compel them. You go, no, 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 the master wants you there. No, 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 you're invited. You're somebody, you're special. Uh, there, there's a place for you. There's a chair waiting just for you. And, and you think, why would they need compelling? Because they felt unworthy. Because they felt like, oh, I'm just a lower class. There's just some divide here. And those, they've got it all together. And I don't have the money. And I can't repay. And I don't have the right clothes. And, and I didn't go to the same school as they did. And, and I'm, just, I'm just a nobody. And he says, no, no, no. Go compel them. Urge them. Say, no, no, no. You've got to come with me. Because he wants you there. The master wants a full house so there's a sense of urgency in the master and in the servant and, and what they're doing. I've been reading a, um, a book by, about Archibald Brown. Archibald Brown, is, he's called Spurgeon's successor. He eventually was the pastor at Metropolitan Tabernacle in London after Spurgeon died like in the early 1900s. But before that, he had a thriving ministry in East London, which... Uh, for the last 150 years, um, especially in the late 1800s, was a very poor uh, area. So Archibald Brown is there. He was a minister at East London uh, Baptist Tabernacle Church. Anyway, and so uh, he, was, he was a soul winner. He ministered to the poor. He loved people. He preached the gospel, saw all kind of people saved in his life. And so there's this story that is told in his book and where Brown went to the uh, just a back street somewhere and visited this mom, 28 years old. She had two young girls in the house, six and I believe four was in the house with her. And Brown said, the moment I looked at her, I saw she was dying and she was there and he's wondering like, is anybody here to help you? And she said, well, she just pointed to her six-year-old. She said, my husband leaves early, comes home late. Um, and so this is what Brown said to her. My dear friend, do you know that you are dying? She said, she started, dying, sir? Uh, do you think I'm dying? I, I said, my poor girl, it would not be kindness of me to hold back the truth. I will do, I will do all I can for you, and I, I think it is only right to let you know. Do you know anything about Jesus Christ? He asked her. The tears came in her eyes. And she said, I, I heard of him when I was in Sunday school some years ago. And she goes on to tell him, but I, I, you know, I haven't been in church in a long time. I hadn't heard anything lately about Jesus. And so he asked her, would you like to be saved? Now, sometimes we wonder, hey, how do we transition to the gospel? You know, we get caught up in that sometimes. How about, would you like to be saved? Just a real simple, would you like to be saved? She said, do you think he would be willing to save one like me? There's people, there's people all around you and me that think that same thing. Do you think he would save me? You think he, I, I haven't, you don't know what I've done. You, you think he would save me? You, you hear the way I talk? Do you hear, do you know the things that I've done? And Brown said he pulled a penny out of his pocket and he gave it to the lady's daughter and she took it. And Brown looked at the lady and said, look, do you understand? This is a sermon for you. That child believed that the offer was genuine and she showed her faith by just taking the penny. All that is necessary for you is to take Christ." Take his salvation. Yes, sir. But do you think he will take me? He said, there's no doubt whatever about that. I can guarantee that he will take you. 
Here's the second point. Some people exclude themselves from God's kingdom. All people are invited, but some people exclude themselves. The point is, in this, sermon, in this passage, you can't get into heaven without an invitation. And the other point is, the only way, only people who are not there are those who decline, are those who exclude themselves, who say, no, 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 something else is more important. I, I, I'll make that decision, but, but just not right now. Because right now I've got, I'm caught up in this. Right now, Jesus, that sounds really good. But right now, I've, I need to do this. I've got to focus on my career right now. I, I, can't, I can't make that decision. So the first set of invitations was really to the Jewish leadership who Jesus is sitting with. And he's given an invitation and they, they don't receive him. They, they think, well, we're connected with Abraham. So we're, we're already in. Abraham's our father. So, you know, the Messiah's coming later, and you're certainly not him. So then the second invitation went to the, out in the streets and the lanes. That went to the, the common Jews. And then the hedges and the highways, those are pagan Gentiles that are going to receive an invitation to, to come to Christ. You know, some make silly excuses, but ultimately the fact is not on their excuses. It's that they miss the banquet. It's that they miss heaven. They miss heaven because they're making excuses. Verse 24, Jesus said, for I tell you. So now you here is in the plural before it's been in the singular. So it's, it, Jesus is no longer telling the story. It's like now he takes a step back. He leans back and he's looking at all who are around him, all who are around the, with the walls. And he's saying, for I tell you. So the, the story's over, but here's the point of the story. None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Why won't they taste it? Because they declined the invitation. Did they hear the invitation? Yeah. Did they make a superficial commitment to it? Yeah. But they weren't there because they declined. They, they willingly decided, I don't want to go. So the, this is a picture not of God saying, I'll keep you out of heaven. He said, I want everyone there. I want, any, I want every single person there. But some just go, eh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little busy right now. I don't have time. And at some point, the door's shut, and that's it. And it's too late. And Jesus says, my banquet. So now Jesus is saying, I'm talking, talking about the kingdom of God and his banquet, his table. He's in control here. So this passage has a warning to it. It has a warning to take this invitation seriously. To If you've never received Christ, to do it now. The longer you wait, the harder your heart will become. And you never know when the, your, your last invitation will be your last. There, Jesus would never dine with the Pharisees again in the book of Luke. You can look through here. He does not dine with them again. He will only give so many invitations and then at some point, that's, that's it. So, but you know what's the interesting thing about this banquet? Is that it goes on whether people decline it or not. This is not like a college class that if you know, not enough people sign up for it, it just gets canceled. That's not like the kingdom of heaven. It's going to happen whether we're there or not. And thankfully, we have an invitation and we have the opportunity to go if we'll just receive Christ. Someone else, though, if we don't go, someone else is going to take our seat because God wants every seat filled. So let me give you a few application points uh, in the form of questions because people don't like to be told what to do. So I'm going to give you questions. All right. So hopefully they're a little more thought provoking. First, are you spending time with people who cannot give anything to you in return? Do you spend time with people who cannot give anything to you in return? In other words, are you living with a love mindset or an exchange mindset? 
for a period of about four, a little over four years, uh, I mentored a, a young boy in um, a real challenging area of Tampa. And, um, and I'd go down there, typically in the school year, about once a week. Sometimes I'd miss a week. Uh, and it was a commitment. I mean, it was 30 minutes one way. So that was about an hour and a half, two hours out of my day every time I do it. And I complain about it sometimes. But I was always blessed when I would go see him. We'd throw football together. We'd play bas- shoot basketball. We'd um, sit at the lunch table and watch the nasty food they were eating. You know, wh- whatever it was. I was just there to spend time with him and hang out with him. And uh, sometimes we'd do reading in the library. Sometimes we'd play games on the computer. And he was, my, he was my focus for that whole time. When he was younger, I started with him when he was in first grade and went all the way through fifth grade. So he would, um, and he changed schools and I followed him to his next school. When he was first or second grade, when he would see me, he would run to me and he would jump on me. Pastor Barry, he'd run to me. Now he got older, he got too cool to do that. But you want to talk about being blessed? That, that was a blessing. And I can assure you, there was nothing he could give me in return. I went to his house. There's nothing he could give in return. But that was a blessing. When Jesus says, you'll be blessed, yeah, it was a blessing. The second, do you have the same urgency for lost people as the master has in this story? You know, the master is the first one referred to. He's the last one that speaks. There is an urgency that this master has. Do you have, do you have that same type of urgency? Pastor Brandon was at a conference recently. He came back. He was telling us last week, there's just under 7,400 languages in the world. Do you know how many languages have a Bible in their translation? Less than 700. Now, about 1,500 have the New Testament or parts of the Bible. But less than 700 out of the almost 7,400 have a Bible in their language. Now, does that bother anyone? Or is it just, you know, let me check my fantasy football. That, that should bother us. And we should think, what, what do we need to do as a church? What, 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 what can I do? Maybe some of you are gifted in languages. You're gifted in translation. Maybe there's something you could do to help with that. What, what can we do as a church to give toward that? I don't know, but there should be some type of response that, man, there's something we've got to do. You know, yesterday was the anniversary of the, the five martyrs in Ecuador. January the 8th, 1956. Five men gave their life, violently were killed, trying to get the gospel to these Alca Indians in Ecuador. And their wives loved Jesus as well and were just as committed. They had an urgency. Then um, here's what one source said. The church must not worry about the chair of honor, but it is to make chairs available to those who are looking for a place to sit, even when those who think there are no chairs for them. Third, who are you compelling right now? Who are you compelling? Is there anyone you're compelling that's far from God to come into the kingdom of God? Is there anyone that you're urging? Is there anyone that you're walking beside going, man, come on, come on, turn to Christ. Leave leave self and turn to Christ. Is there anyone that you're compelling right now? About 50 miles southwest of London, there's a little village called Buckleberry. Buckleberry. And that's a small village. Uh, Martin and Sue Fiddler live in Buckleberry. And they've lived there for years. They're, they're simple, common people. They work at a grocery store. They're butchers. Well, years ago, Martin and Sue met a lady named Carol. Carol met a man named Mike. Carol and Mike married and had a daughter named Catherine, who we know now today as Kate Middleton, Duchess of Cambridge. 
And Kate grew up there in Buckleberry, and she got to know Martin and Sue, and we'd go by the grocery stores. They had, they had a friendship. And when it came time for Kate to be married and to work on the guest list, she said, you know, I, she thought, I, I don't want to just royalty and celebrities. I want common people. So she decided to put Martin and Sue Fiddler on the guest list. And so one day, while Martin's there working in the butcher shop, here comes the mailman. He says, I've got a letter for Sue. And so he hands a letter, and Martin calls for Sue, and Sue comes, and it's a gold embossed envelope. And, and she opens it, and she bursts into tears. And she later said, I couldn't believe Martin and I were worthy of an invitation. And she was so overwhelmed with emotion, not just for she and Martin, but for the mailman who delivered the letter was also invited to the wedding, Ryan. Ryan was a mailman in Buckleberry. And Kate knew him, and he got an invitation as well. Do you know that every person at the wedding that day, April 29, 2011, they were not just there because they had an invitation. They were there because they said yes. Have you said yes to God's invitation to you to go to heaven? Would you bow your heads with me? God's word is very clear. John 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, who called upon his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Salvation comes through receiving Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I've tried to make it as plain as I could. And maybe some of you have never made that decision. Maybe you've, like the Pharisees, you're relying on somebody you know or who your grandfather was. Or, but you've never received Jesus Christ. And if you've wondered, man, could, I even, could God receive me? Absolutely. He loves you. He has sent his son Jesus who's already paid for your sin. All you have to do is receive him. And if you've never done that, I'm going to encourage you right now. You can do that right where you are. Say, Father, I admit to you I'm a sinner, but I also know I'm loved because of what your word tells me. And I thank you that Jesus has paid for my sin and I receive him now as my Lord and Savior. And I give the rest of my life to you. Others of you, you say, I, I've made that decision, Barry. I did that a long time ago. But are you living with a love mindset or with an exchange mindset? Are you, are you caught up in possessions and property and pleasure? Or are you caught up in the things of God? So maybe this is just a time of recommitment for you. A time where just to search your heart and say, what, what's really important? What's, what's really, what really matters in your life right now? Father, I thank you for the word of God. We submit ourselves to you and to the authority of your word. And Lord, we want to be obedient to whatever it is you're telling us to do. Help us to be a church, Father, that ministers to the least of these. Help us to have a love mindset. Help us not to look for what we can get in return, for how we can be known, but help us just to be faithful, to share the love of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to, to compel others to come into your kingdom. Give us a, an urgency like, like you have here in this story, Father, for the lost. Help us to be faithful to share the gospel. Give us courage. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who will convict us. And so we surrender to you. Give this response time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this recording from Valleydale Church. 
To find more or to connect with us about what you just heard, check us out at valleydale.org.